14 minutes it is after 8pm. It's the Shop Stewards Corner here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this Monday, uh, in uh, the segment which we bring to you every Monday, where we take a look at the lives of working people and the latest on the shop floor, we talk to the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa, NUMSA, uh, which uh, held its national bargaining conference over the weekend. Now, delegates from across the country met uh, in uh, the uh, East Rand and uh, sought to discuss and draw core resolutions around the lowering uh, of benefits, conditions of workers, wage cuts, retrenchments, and uh, the defense of collective bargaining and the challenges of deindustrialization in the South African economy. I'm joined by the General Secretary of NUMSA, Irvin Jim, uh, to talk about what came out of this conference and also, I guess, the latest uh, on the bargaining floor uh, as it relates to what's happening at ESCOM and many other places. Nobala, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Good evening to listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. Maybe for the purposes of some of our listeners who would not be familiar uh, with how trade unions operate, and uh, just talk to us briefly about the function that a national bargaining conference plays within the trade union, but also in informing, I guess, the bargaining positions of some of the members you delegate to uh, negotiations. Thanks, Abonga. I think a few things. I think bargaining conference serves as a platform for democratically elected shop stewards and elected leadership of the union to listen to workers' mandate as a platform to reflect, but also to dissect those demands. In our case, in this round of negotiations, I mean, the bargaining conference was doing that against a backdrop of a um, uh, of a, a situation where we have the somber mood of um, of COVID, job loss, bloodbath, uh, workers um, experiencing, as you said in your introduction, wage cuts, um, uh, basically employers uh, doing as they wish at the back of COVID. Employers have been able to basically displace workers, employ them, employ others afresh, but Embarking on restructuring um, across SOEs, we were faced we are faced with a situation where workers in Sachs and Dinell um, are being told up front that um, we owe you monies for last year, but we will not pay you in the next two months. Mm. Workers at Sachs are basically being thrown into the streets; they are not receiving any pay. Workers at SAA are not receiving any form of payment, mm. their houses are being sold, and so forth. And I must say that the bargaining conference couldn't hold itself. It basically mandated a union and launched a campaign that Minister Pravin Gordon, we must launch a national campaign as a union that the min- and characterize the minister as the failure, and that um, he must be removed from his position. And um, at the same time, we have to grapple with the fact that for the past four years in the engineering sector in general, Mm. where a majority of our members are, employers, despite the fact that in 2017 we would have secured an agreement which was supposed to be gazetted so that it can be extended to non-parties, they simply, a group of association of employers, um, um, they simply dislodged that agreement. At the back of that, uh, because the agreement was not gazetted and therefore it could not be extended, they went unilaterally mm. and uh, cut workers' wages from 40 rand to 20, to, to 20 rand. Bonuses for, of workers in particular companies 
that are represented by conservative associations were basically taken away. Um, 40-hour week uh, would have been increased to 45 mm. without any overtime. Leave entitlement for workers who have a service of four years would have been uh, uh, basically taken away. Employers would have went ahead and introduced um, area differentials in that if you from Johannesburg, if you work in Johannesburg, you will mm. receive the increase. But you are in if you are in the Eastern Cape or a province which contribute less to the GDP, sure, sure. they pay you what they wish um, mm. to, to give to you. And um, I think Abonga, more than anything else, we have to begin to say what becomes our bargaining sure, strategy sure. in an environment where the economy is collapsing, workers mm. are losing jobs. And um, without any doubt, the bargaining conference would have resolved that we would also have to engage government to say no, for instance, to austerity measures. Mm. Uh, we need a government that could intervene. I mean, the first thing that we identify was to stand with public sector workers, mm. that they deserve their 7% increase and that we reject the 0% sure, that would sure. have been put on the table. But not only that, we call on, on all unions in the public service and, and federations to stand together mm. to defend those workers because sure. public sector workers are a glue that hold the nation together. We've seen this across uh, public hospitals. Mm. These workers are out there risking their lives. Sure. They deserve uh, to be paid. No but also no the, the, the bargaining conference no also launched no a, a decision that we must mm. challenge, we must go to court sure. and defend the collapse of the SOE. Okay. No, Pala, let's do this uh, because I think a lot of the things you're touching on, uh, some of the issues that I wanted us to unpack, in particular the comment you just made around the unity of purpose and action across different federations, across different you know, uh, uh, unions organizing in different sectors of the economy. And uh, it's something I want us to return to, but uh, we quickly need to take a quick spot break. When we come back, I want us to talk about what's happening out at ESCOM, uh, you know, the apartheid wage gap uh, that uh, you are lamenting uh, alongside some of your counterparts there. And of course, I guess, uh, within the context of what you've raised, of a uh, erosion of some of the benefits that workers have won over the course of uh, the many years of struggle there, uh, uh, what is happening in relation to that issue at ESCOM as well, in relation to allowances over time, and many of the other issues that uh, we've heard about. We'll continue with this discussion after this. 22 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's the Shop Stewards Corner, which we bring to you every Monday. And this evening, we reflect on the outcomes of the National Bargaining Conference of NUMSA, the National Union of Metal Workers. And uh, I'm in conversation with the General Secretary of uh, the NUMSA, Irvin Jim. And uh, we're talking about uh, some of the issues, I guess, on, on the bargaining table. And Nopala, uh, 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 I want us to take a look at ESCOM. Uh, you organize in that uh, a particular workplace uh, or that plant, if I can put it like that, um, alongside uh, the National Union of Mine Workers. And uh, certainly uh, a common thread coming out in the positions that uh, uh, yourselves uh, alongside the NUM have come out with uh, in the last week or so. One issue that you are decrying, which I really want you to explain so that we all understand as members of the public, is this issue of the apartheid wage gap. Hindu <laughs> Well... I think, simply put, we had a situation in this country where the South African economy would have been driven at the back of super-exploitation of black and African labor. Mm. I think, if you want history, we can go back to the Union of 1910, 
where English and African capital would have come together and um, at the back of the Land Act of 1913, which would have chased Africans away from their land, uh, kicked them out of their land. And therefore, if you were kicked out of your land and you become unproductive, you were left with no choice Mm. but to join Deba and to come to the cities. And we know what was the migrant labor system all, all about. And of course, the Freedom Charter in Clip Town, the people of this country would have said there shall be a national minimum wage mm. to deal with the legacy and the backbone of this super exploitation. But Abonga, you know for a fact that what the ANC government did, instead of breaking such a backbone of super exploitation of black and African labor, what was in a very smart way, basically still under the carpet of the labor movement, um, um, uh, the genuine demand of a living wage. And the living wage is about making sure that you can take, you can, out of your pay, you can, you can go to work and come back. You can take your children to the school of your own choice. You can have housing and so forth. And um, obviously the, the, the history of South Africa, which continues, which is racist in nature and in class, is such that there is a huge difference in wages between white workers and black workers, which has not been uh, um, uh, collapsed by the new... And and these are white and black workers doing the same job? You will be doing the same job, Mm. but you will not be paid the same um, uh, uh, wages. You will be at a different category. But also you would know that one of the greatest things that um, uh, racism did was to present white workers as owners, even if the dispensation is changing, mm. which, by the way, it has not moved because we are where we are and we failed to change power relations because the negotiated, settle- the negotiated settlement, which have run its course and failed, mm. has failed to address the issues of ownership and control of the economy sure. by both black and white in the country. And therefore, it's difficult in the point of production to cement this important mm. unity between white workers and, and, and black workers because the economy mm. is still there. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the issue of white workers, even, um, you know, and how many organizations have treated it is a recognition that even though their class position is, is one that would lend itself to affinity with the black working class, uh, for all intents and purposes, they were part of the ruling class of the society, uh, yes. you know, as lieutenants of that ruling class. And uh, I think that's a very important point you make there. Itine Eskom Galea Partied Wage Gap. Well, at Eskom, first, if we are to break new ground at ESCOM, as a union, we are making a clarion call, not just to the unity of NUMSA, Solidarity, and, 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 and NUM, but we're making a clarion call to the public. From where we're sitting, we think that there is a conscious decision by government to collapse ESCOM. And how is ESCOM being collapsed? ESCOM is being collapsed through IPPs, in that... And when you say IPPs, it's very easy for people to think that they, you want to stick with fossil fuels. You don't want to move mm. for, from fossil fuels to renewables. That's not our issue. But what we are exposing here is that there is privatization of energy provision mm. of the country, which belongs to our community and, and which belongs to the economy, which mm. must be empowered by a competitive electricity tariff. And you want they, social ownership of, of that renewables program? Yeah, if you ask Minister mm. Pravin Gordon and Andre Rater, they will tell you that, no, 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 we're not privatizing ESCOM. 
but they are privatizing energy provision because when they close the power station, they replace it with an IPP on the grid. And as such, ESCOM sales have been going down, but IPPs, um, um, whatever energy they generate um, and put into the grid, mm. they get prioritized and be paid first. But you can't say the same about ESCOM base load, that when it comes to the grid and it gets distributed, um, um, you, uh, if the Nyoka municipalities are not paying and so forth, and therefore the balance sheet of ESCOM is being compromised, what is worse is the fact that government, which is a shareholder, goes public and call on, on ESCOM clients that go and uh, basically generate electricity for yourself. Um, viable municipalities, you must generate electricity, taking away ESCOM markets. And uh, not only that, we know now as we speak that Minister Mandate would have gone and secured a 20-year deal, which is not scrutinized by parliament and everybody, where power ships, that will be in Port Elizabeth, in Richards Bay, in Saldana, that will power the country, taking the role of ESCOM. And what does that mean? It means the electricity tariff that is not competitive mm. is going to worsen because you're taking the energy of the country into private hands. And the unions will have been saying, go and renegotiate those contracts with IPPs. Go and negotiate those contracts with coal uh, suppliers. I mean, Glencore, if you look at it, what are they getting? They're getting, and I mean, the numbers do not lie. They're getting uh, the ton about 600 rand. Other mines who supply the very same ESCOM are getting 200, um, a, a ton by 200 and something. And they are being given increases ranging around 17%. But when we say that workers must be given an increase, we are presented as people who don't care, who don't mm. understand what is the state of the economy. Mm, mm, mm. Now, I, I guess you've touched on some of the issues. Difunu Vanje, Inumsa, on this question of uh, the erosion of benefits um, in the negotiation. I mean, you, you presented your, your, your opening demands to the employer. The employer came back and said, we don't have money. And actually, on top of us having a 0% increase for this uh, uh, well, bargaining year, uh, they also what? want to take overtime, their allowance and all of that kind of thing. There, there, there is a long list of unilateral changes, mm. Abonga, which the ESCOM has embarked upon without negotiation. It took them uh, those unilateral changes. We would have now argued to say against this background that I'm explaining that workers, uh, if, 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 if primary coal um, uh, contracts that uh, the, the mine bosses have deserve increases, then workers, the, the standard of living must improve. And we would have called for Andrew Derater to come and present their turnaround strategy because we of the view that we don't just want to milk a cow that is not being fed. We think that that turnaround strategy is critical so that first on all issues that are destroying and liquidating ESCOM, there must be a commitment to, to do a turnaround and address those issues because if you were to do that, including taking about 200 billion of the 480 billion into government books, you can improve mm. the, the, the balance sheet of ESCOM and that workers, if you were to renegotiate those IPPs, primary coal and uh, deliver quality maintenance of power stations, you will stop uh, burning diesel, which mm. is extremely expensive. Secondly, you will stop load shedding, which is crippling the economy and destroying jobs sure. across various sectors of the economy. 
No, Pala, before we let you go, I, I want us maybe to, to engage a, what I would say maybe is a more political question. Um, and I'm in no way saying that, you know, you're only concerned with workerist issues on the shop floor. No. But, but I want to engage you just on this issue. Um, you spoke earlier about the unity across, you know, uh, uh, trade unions, across federations. In many of your workplaces, you organize alongside your counterparts that are in other trade unions. And you've often called for working class unity across the board. And I think many South Africans are asking themselves, I mean, if, if there's a suggestion that there might be rolling mass action even during the election period, whether or not the trade union movement broadly defined has the kind of political currency, has the pull and the muscle to effectively, uh, I guess, win on the streets what effectively has become clear that it is, um, you know, in many instances being stalled from winning in the boardroom. If I think about the third year of that public sector agreement, if I think about what's hap what happened at SA Express, what's happening at SAA, what's happening at Denel, in many of the places that you organize in, uh, one would argue that there is an effective you know, boardroom onslaught on some of the gains that many working people have achieved. Do you feel you have the necessary power to be able effectively to claw back some of those gains and, and bring the country to a standstill as you do so? Well, Abonga, the working class, and I mean this, is the only class capable of carrying the revolution to its logical conclusion. Its unity is sacrosanct and compulsory. I think that one of the things that we, we all know is that united we stand, divided we fall. Mm. I think they, in, and I mean uh, to individuals and to collectives of affiliates of all federation, COSATU, SAFTU, NATU, um, including solidarity. The time has come. If this country is not to be liquidated, its economy, its direction, we need this sacrosanct unity of the working class behind championing a revolutionary agenda. And that revolutionary agenda, in our view, in the immediate, is about the state that must do away with austerity measures, as championed by Tito Mboweli, and that we need a government that intervenes in the economy, like 40% of China's uh, economy is owned by the state. We must stop the current destruction in that workers of the public service must get their 7% that, that they have been robbed in broad daylight at the back of an agreement. Secondly, the state must go to the table in the negotiation in the PSDC and basically make an offer that public service workers are deserving. If the state is not doing that, there is absolutely no reason why SAFTU, COSATU, and the rest of the unions I'm mentioning must not stand together at the back of solidarity, support, and struggle from 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 from, from, from unions in, in the manufacturing sector mm. to basically bring the country to a standstill in saying no to that. But that includes basically defining a clear agenda of how the state must stimulate demand. I mean, we have been fooled here. 500 billion. Where is it? Where is it being spent? We, we, we basically need to ensure that there is a stimulus package, an expansionary budget. We need to use procurement as a tool. I mean, if you take mining, mm. mining is its total expenditure is around 200 billion. Where is that 200 billion mm. being spent? It must be spent on localization. Uh, the SOEs must designate. There must be no dropping of production from other countries. 
we must be able to say China has no chrome on, and therefore we must beneficiate, we must ban exportation of chrome, mm. and we must make sure that we champion that beneficiation to produce ferrochrome. Smelters must be set here mm. and create jobs and stop the industrialization that is taking no place. Problem. No problem. Just, I mean, I think you're raising very important points. And as you, as you were speaking, one thing came to mind. The bosses and the government embark on this Africa continental free trade area. It's going to have massive implications for the sectors you organize, and least of all the steel, industrial, and even the automotive sector. Um, as a, I mean, as workers, as trade unions, as the working class, has there been any, you know, between yourselves as a class and workers in other countries that are likely to be affected because we know the nature of these agreements is that they are always winners and losers sometimes at a regional level and even at a continental level. Has there been this kind of engagement and dialogue to say, how do we influence this process from below as working people? History shall not forgive any huge movement or organization for its wrong perception of reality. The truth of the matter is that as we speak, Ayabonga, if we take the auto industry alone, we have a situation where we would have said, um, in fact, you go back a couple of years, there we started with MIGP motor support program. Mm. The, the, how that scheme worked was that auto companies must invest in South Africa. For every car they manufacture in this country and export, they generate rebates. They can then import a car that they are not producing in this country. But we know capital took advantage of that. They were basically generating those rebates, giving it to their suppliers, and, and stopping to champion volumes, where to introduce APGP in that they have to be given volumes, they must produce the annum. We just signed a master plan. But as we do did that vision 2035, we're now experiencing component companies, where we, which was another leg of creating jobs, mm. shifting, shifting production to Botswana, to Lesotho, to Swaziland, the Saku region. Mm. NUMSA is basically convening. A, a, a meeting with all the unions in the Saku region, we're asking ourselves, if capital is, if there's no government, there's no business that controls capital mobility, how are we going to respond as union if it is not to match in the African continent and form one um, uh, Saku union mm. and so that we can challenge the bosses because capital moves from one sure. place to another. The Communist Manifesto, it says they nestle and settle everywhere. Mm, what informs that movement limit. is about where mm. they can uh, 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 super exploit and maximize, maximize profit. And therefore, the Africa free trade, how are you going to stop China that is building efforts in the continent to dump steel and destroy our own economy? So the working class is on its own. If we do not sit down and unite behind a revolutionary agenda in the country and rely on our resources in the African continent mm. to build the economy of this continent, this, this continent is going to be a complete left-up uh, 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 continent. For instance, if you take the transition from combustion engines and uh, the movement from ice, which is manufacturing of cars, mm. uh, to, to, to electric vehicles, Everything, Ayabong, is here in the continent. Yeah, we've yeah. got cobalt, we've got everything you need Coltan, as, as, as raw material mm. to produce those vehicles. Mm. But you know what? The bosses are going to take cobalt, are going to take all those ingredients that we have and basically manufacture those cars in Europe and dump them here. Same thing we are doing on energy. Instead of embarking on just transition, instead of us coming up with 
technologies, the latest technologies mm. for coal to produce clean energy. We're just closing those power stations in Pumalanga. We're going to destroy not less than 120,000 jobs, and Pumalanga is going to be a ghost province. No palawa basibins. Mrs. Posap in Dampun. Thank you very much for your time. That there was uh, Irvin Jim, the General Secretary of uh, the Metal Workers Union, the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa. And that was our Shop Stewards Corner.